This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Hudson Standish. Uh, we've uh, got a pretty exciting show for you today. We were on the road last week and saw Arch Manning, so we're going to talk a lot about him tonight. Uh, Texas does, is back at home to host West Virginia this week, um, and uh, you know we've got a, uh, some visitor notes there. But before we get into all of those things, Hudson, how's it going? It's going good, Mike. Uh, obviously, we'll talk team on uh, Talking Texas tomorrow, which probably won't be as fun as the state of recruiting. State of recruiting, uh, we can kind of escape a little bit from after a tough loss and just focus on, you know, recruiting, which even in the bad seasons at Texas, you, you have a lot of really encouraging stuff to talk about. So I know that normally um, everybody's media consumption kind of takes a downturn after the team loses, but I don't know, a state of recruiting, you can kind of escape um, all of the negative things in, in the team atmosphere a little bit. So excited to talk recruiting. Obviously, we'll break down the West Virginia, I mean, the Texas Tech game and preview West Virginia tomorrow on Talking Texas. But for now, I'm just excited to focus on more recruiting related uh, matters. Well, let's start with the biggest recruiting related matter. You and I went out to uh, the Sticks in Louisiana. What a fun road trip that was. A uh, up and back to Manny, Louisiana, which is reminded just a, me of home. Reminded Hudson of home. It's just across the Texas border uh, in East Texas. You could kind of cross up near Longview and all that to Shreveport, and then go down. Would you say about an hour south of Shreveport or so? Yeah. Um, and Hudson just kept saying the entire way, "This is uh, a lot like Southeast Texas." 
Yeah, for those um, who aren't as familiar with where Manny is, uh, it's essentially like, you know, a f- hour, 45 minute ish drive from Jasper right across the, uh, I think Toledo Bend Reservoir from like St. Augustine in East Texas. So, I mean, culturally, it, it's essentially like watching Arch Manning take on a team like Newton or Dangerfield, one of those East Texas teams that uh, kind of has an archaic offense, but has a ton of talent. And I mean, we'll get into it later, but it was really one of my favorite uh, atmospheres and environments that I've ever covered a game in. It was a ton of fun. It felt like a big deal. Let's, let's start with that. Actually. Um, we, so I think a lot of times we do get caught up in, oh, Texas high school football is the greatest, and there's nothing that can match this. But, I mean, this was truly a, hey, town shut down, Friday night light type of field. Hudson, you and I drove straight in from Dallas, and we stopped in Longview for lunch and then kind of went straight in from there to uh, to the stadium. And it talked about maybe going, you know, somewhere beforehand. And I think you said to me, hey, like, let's just go and get there because we don't know how packed this is going to be. And boy, was that a good thing? Because when we pulled up, I think we probably parked a half mile from the stadium. Parking was full already. This was at 530 for a seven o'clock kick. And there was there were people there was overflow seating on the track. I mean, it was just packed. And the I thought the tailgating scene was incredible there. I mean, it was just a lot. It was a really fun, like almost like college atmosphere before that game. Yeah. And there in, you know, it was just a really cool scene with everybody in the town. Like uh, Texas fans might remember Manny from uh, when Myron Warren uh, recruitment was happening. Um, And so I don't know, just getting to see firsthand that culture that's produced a ton of really good, um, you know, collegiate athletes and, just the entire scene. Yeah, it really did remind me of home and just the parts of high school football that we love the most. And then getting to evaluate Arch Manning in that setting, it was perfect. But yeah, I, I did have a little bit of a feeling um, about the parking situation and just getting into the stadium, right? Because we wanted to check out warmups. We wanted to make sure that we were good because we had never covered a game there before. So we weren't exactly sure with credentials and everything, but it was pretty easy. I mean, half the crowd was on the uh, field as well on the track as well. So, I mean, no problems getting on the field. Yeah. It was, um, it was electric from start to finish, including the start of the game, which uh, featured a fireworks show, the likes of which I don't think we've ever seen. Um, And so much so that it, uh, it, 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 it had debris and smoke falling all over the visitor side. Can we tell the story from that? Uh, the full story from the fireworks show that turned into quickly a basically the entire field getting covered with firework debris. Yeah. So they, they set up and I, I mean, I can't, I, I think my tweet got out. We had awful cell service there, obviously. Um, so we weren't in a place where we could get tweets out reliably, but I think the tweet of the fireworks Showed up. So if go back on my Twitter and find yours it. did. And also uh, Nick got a good video as well, but it, it's even those two videos are hard to fully express. I mean, it was a, it was a, like what you would see on a big production 4th of July show. Yeah. And um, so they set them up right behind the Manny stands on the visitor or I'm sorry, the Newman stands on the visitor side. And you know, when those things bl- 
blow up the boxes they come in and the cardboard and all that it goes everywhere and it falls from the sky and there's smoke and Hudson and I were standing on the track and he's laughing and he's like oh look at the look at the Newman stands this, this is gonna be fun and I'm just watching the cloud of debris like coming our way um and I was like yeah we need to we need to move on because we're about to get covered in this as well and, and it's perfect too because again this is a uh, state of recruiting uh trust circle right trust tree with everybody we're in the middle of the woods in West Louisiana. Arch Manning's Isidore Newman uh, team. I don't think that we're necessarily stepping on any toes saying that like, it's more of a, uh, the Houston, the Kincaid school, Dallas St. Mark's type vibe in the stands. Right. Yeah. So seeing the dichotomy between Maney who has basically sold out <laughs> their side of the stadium uh, and has been tailgating and, and, you know, is just revving, ready to go and just has completely sold out the places. And then the Newman <laughs> poor parents who are like in the biggest state of culture shock as fireworks are like deafening them and also debris is falling all over their extremely nice clothes. It was hysterical. But as Mike mentioned, as I was kind of laughing at it, he had to pull me and be like, yo, dude, you're in the uh, debris zone as well. So as that was going on, we kind of realized like, oh, shoot, they're doing the coin toss as well as the like orange smoke started to like fill the stadium. There were motorcycles there. The banditos were in a It was like, you know, Gabe Brooks was there from 24-7 as well. He was just amazed at the number of banditos walking around openly. And it was just like, it's a reminder of, of, I think people around the country think, oh, in Texas, you can do whatever you want. And here we know that's not the case. Louisiana is truly like a lawless place almost. It was it was awesome, man. I was, it, it got me going. I was so ready for the game and then, kind of the, I guess, start into the breakdown. The opening kick could not have gone worse for Manny. Some poor kid who... For Newman. Uh, yeah, sorry, for Newman. Apologies. For Newman. It couldn't have gone worse for Newman. Some poor kid on Newman, and this happens a lot at the high school level, just clearly, I guess, is not a big football fan or just, I guess, not a very smart uh, football player. And again, I hope he never hears this because I am kind of burying him. But he was a blocker on kick return and is treating the opening kickoff like it's a punt when Maney squibs it and watches as a Maney, uh, um, you know, kickoff coverage guy falls on it and the Tigers get the ball to start uh, the game at the 20-yard line and immediately score. So The, the entire sideline is screaming, field it, catch it, yeah, field it. Exactly. And he's just and, standing there. <laughs> Yeah, I looked. I looked at uh, Arch, and Ar I will say that it's the spoilers for the evaluation. Arch was extremely cool and collected through a night where I don't know. I think, uh, especially me as a quarterback, but a lot, a lot of other guys would have lost their mind. But that was the only time I saw him give an Eli Manning face of like, "Come on, man, get on the effing ball." Yeah. Um, we should mention the reason we were interested in going to see this game, not only because it is easier travel from Dallas than it is going to New Orleans. Um, it was a but five. Yeah. You've made that trip enough times. That trip's not scary. Yeah, it's, it is. It was a five hour drive from, for Newman to go up there. Um, this was the toughest test Arch was going to face all year. I mean, you talked about it being a team like, um, like Newton. I mean, Manny has, 
315 students. It's basically a 382. Like you said, they've got a couple prospects, including two big time prospects, Tackett Curtis, um, who's committed to USC. And is it Tylen Singleton? It is Tylen Singleton. So they have two top 247 uh, athletes, a USC commit, Tylen Singleton, who's an absolute stud in the 24 class. And they're probably going to have two others go D1. That's what I kept on trying to say. I mentioned it in the preview as well, but like, a lot of the people who don't, who are essentially evaluating Arch Manning, uh, not not evaluating, but they're just commenting on his games of, oh, he's playing a two-way. They're the two-way number one team in Louisiana. Well, blah, blah, blah. They have no idea how good this program is, right? So offering this, that con- I mean, I think that program, like if you put them in the Texas 3AD2 champ, uh, like bracket. They'd be a legitimate state title contender. They are yeah, very good. I think they're offense would handicap them a little bit and we'll, sure, kind, of, but- we'll kind of get to that but um i mean as as just stack up size wise and talent wise that's a team and year in and year out they have guys i mean they, they have them all the time yeah and again like we're talking about this and even if you're not the biggest recruitment like 3a division two teams like newton this year uh, beat West Orange Stark. Like, again, so when we're talking about this Manny team and Arch Manning's performance, please make sure to remember, like, this is a truly legitimate, like, best competition. The type of competition that, you know, a lot of 5A-type quarterbacks will never see, even though maybe they're in a, uh, on paper, what looks like a better classification and looks like playing better competition. Like, playing Manny on the road is about as, you know, tough of an environment that Newman could potentially play, uh, face other than just matching up again with Lafayette Christian Academy in the playoffs, which they'll likely do this year, either for in a state semi or a state championship game. Yeah, and um, I think once the game started, it went pretty poor. I mean, pretty bad first first quarter for Newman. And I would say, we like, let's set the table with this. Will Randall is out. Probably for, I would say, looks like maybe for the season. Um, and that ACL is what has, yeah. Yeah, that's the buzz. Um, and that is Arch's primary offensive target and a guy that has, you know, D1 talent. And he's kind of the only other guy on the team with that talent. So he was already a little bit handicapped. Um, he was facing, again, I mean, this defense for Manny, uh, like I said, their offense may handicap them, but I'd be hard-pressed to see a defense play as well as that one did in 3A D2. I think they could kind of stand with anybody just on the defensive side of the ball. They were – and they – boy, they loaded up to come after Arch. I mean, they they tried to – it was very clear they were not going to let him sit back in the pocket and pick his spots and make throws. They wanted to get him uncomfortable, get him off of his spot. And it worked through the first quarter. He didn't have a completion. Yeah, and, and- – I posted a clip, though the one clip I was able to get out during the game was Arch stepping up in the pocket, kind of rolling away from pressure and delivering a dart that really showed his um, quick release, the ability to adjust the arm slot and the ball placement. And like you were kind of hinting at, the receivers just weren't making plays early too. So when you hear that Arch didn't have a completion in the first quarter, like there are two or three passes that probably should have been first downs to extend drives where plays just weren't made. Now, a lot of credit has to be given to Manny and the fact that we talked with their head coach after the game and they their plan was to not give Arch a ton of credit, like send 
six, seven man pressures, but also Tylen Singleton normally will play some offense for them. This is the 2024 uh, top two, four, seven recruit. And they ended up just putting him all night long on Arch, Arch's best weapon, who in my opinion is a good high school football player could probably play FCS or some D2 because he's built very well as a wide receiver, but against a, top 247 caliber player he wasn't getting anything done and wasn't able to get any separation so it was um it was a tough task and I don't think that the stats really I, I think Arch finished like nine of 20 for 90 yards and two touchdowns which I do understand how you see that in your immediate response is oh he had a bad game but he showed a lot of this of the things and the traits that do make him the number one player in the nation in a tough environment and I think Having having our evaluator there in Gabe and having Cooper Patanga see Arch multiple times this year just kind of reinforces how solid we feel about his five star status. Like, yeah, and I would say the game plan probably did him in early. There were a lot of with that facing yeah. that much pressure. There were a lot of three and five step drops and, and long developing routes down the field. Um, you know, all of us, you, me, Guy, we were all like, hey, uh, let's mix in a screen at some point or get like, get, let's get the ball out quickly here. And so um, I think he did show it. And then, you know, like you mentioned, his coolness under pressure, um, he kind of he was never like down on on the team or, on, you know, he was always encouraging, always kind of teaching a little bit on the sideline. And you could see the coolness even in the pocket. I mean, there was a time where he threw kind of tried to throw a lob pass over. Uh, a couple of defensive linemen's head and they were like, there were three or four guys coming for him and blocked and he didn't seem jittery. A lot of high school quarterbacks will vacate the pocket or try to make something out of nothing. And he just kind of, you know, stay calm. And, and I thought that was probably the most prevailing thing. And once they did switch up the game plan late in the second, you know, he kind of got those quick passes off and they moved down the field and were able to score and get back in the game. Absolutely. Uh, a couple other things. Another reason why I really wanted to go to this game and circled it when we were making schedules over the offseason is I wanted the ability to, if the game was tough, if Newman was trailing, see how Arch reacted to certain situations. And it was a really cool moment getting to go up and down the sidelines Um and while I'm trying to get video clips, do our job, et cetera, just essentially getting to walk by Arch while he is communicating with his teammates. In Louisiana, it's different than Texas where they can have uh, monitors on the sideline and go over film. And so getting to hear him talk through teammates on, hey, this is um, what I needed you to do here or just those type of conversations, like one play play in particular you might remember Mike is that two players uh two receivers both ran a post and hearing Arch even though they're trailing I think 15 to 3 at this point very calmly explained to one of his younger receivers that no you don't have a post there you have a dig like that type of stuff I guess is really encouraging just in the fact that everything we hear about his calm demeanor actually is the truth it's not a narrative it's like you, you know in the heat of the moment probably against the best team they're going to play this year, it showed up. And I think um, you, you saw it after the game. Like sometimes sometimes when a guy is so cool and calm like that, it's because they don't care. And that's a red flag in and of itself. After the game, Arch was pretty – like the coaches were coming over to try to get Saul Labe. And 
he wasn't like losing his mind or anything, but you could tell he was pretty upset by it. And, yeah. you know, they just kind of kept echoing to him. Hey, like you, you battled, you battled your ass off. And I do think there was a sense in the Manny crowd that they wanted to show up almost on pack watch, right? Like to let's, let's expose. And I think he left there with a lot of respect from people because long story short, they battle back and forth. Newman gets the ball basically with 99 yards to go. Uh, no timeouts. No timeouts to tie the game. And Manny ended up stopping them on that drive. But there were a lot of people that I think there was some worry in the stands and there was like, a, oh, boy, here we go. And, and, you know, he did really battle to get them back into it. So um, I guess I would say, Hudson, for your first time seeing him in person, you know, what were the uh, you know, what were your impressions on just the tools, the tangibles, all those sorts of things? It, it just really, I guess, um I don't know, went in line with everything that I've evaluated on film. Like not, there was nothing in person to where I was like, Oh, I guess his motion. No, it's just, he's arch Manning. He's so well drilled and just has kind of everything. Um, I know guys going to come on later, but guy mentioned just like how well he's built. I think that's the only thing. Like I knew how well he was built. It's a different thing when you see it in person and that, you know, I'm 6'4 and pretty solid, and Arch just looks like the t- – I mean, he just looks like in the future NFL quarterback. Like, I think that's always – I think that's usually the biggest thing every every time. Like, especially the first time I saw him was like, oh, wow. He is, like, really – because you look at him and you're like, is he really 6'4? Is he really this weight? Yeah. And I, all this development right now is lower body. Like, his lower body is incredibly developed. He, he, like he could stand to add weight, I think in the upper body. Um, but I mean, his legs are, are big. He's got big quads, all that sort of thing. And that brings up kind of another point was he did show off a couple of times, his running ability, which I do think is an underrated part of his game. Yeah. He has the ability. I think too, uh, like he has the, um, and I, this comp has been out there, but especially with his ability uh, with his legs, he has the Joe Burrow scrambler package where he's looking to improvise, keep his eyes downfield and make the big play. But also if you're going to give him a first down, he's going to take it or he's going to get an eight yards on first down. If you're playing man and don't have anybody spying and he steps up into the pocket. There, there were a couple times where I think once he beat USC linebacker commit Tackett Curtis to the sideline. And then another time he quickly realized that Tackett Curtis had the angle on him and slid, uh, I think for like a two or three yard game, but smart enough now to know that you don't want any of those career uh, altering hits from like that. Because Tackett Curtis is a monster. I mean, that kid was, we could just breathe. He was really he yeah, was he, really good. He was as advertised, played both ways, played basically safety and quarterback and had some big runs as well. I thought he was well put together and, and he's that's an impressive looking kid right there. Yeah, I, we talked about it in game too, a little bit with Gabe, like he's going to be ridiculously productive for USC, like NFL potential. That's where it gets interesting, right? But I don't know. In Alex Grinch's system, I think at USC, he's going to be very good. Like, and that's something I love too with these type of matchups is getting to evaluate guys that aren't just, you know, Texas specific. Like getting to see Tackett Curtis was, I don't know, pretty eye-opening and fun experience. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about with uh, Arch and Manny before we move on? Man, I feel like there is a couple of things I want to talk about, but I'm, I'm just kind of uh, – 
Okay, here is one thing I did want to mention. To your point about like the Manny crowd kind of um, gaining respect for Arch throughout the night, I do think, and I'm very biased here because I'm a small town snob a little bit, but I do think that that is one thing about small school football where it's you're a little bit easier to get respect and it's truly about like going to a game Friday night is truly about the football, right? The stands are packed at 530 to watch the game. It's not showing up because your daughter is in the drill team or essentially treating it like I complain about Frisco ISD a lot. And some of the uh, other, like uh, some of the just suburb ISDs in general, where the fans treated almost like a, um, choir recital or band like social you know, event yeah it's a social event or it's just I'm showing up only because my kid is you know performing of some sort where I think in these smaller towns it's just they know that this is one of the only things they're going to be able to talk about for you know years and years of when Arch Manning came to town so it was it really did feel like a big event and it just I don't know, solidified Manny as a good high school sports town, seeing them almost tip the cap post game after Arch battled hard to, you know, keep them in the game. And I think, you know, I'm always a little slow to totally defend QBs on the lack of weapons argument, but I think the fans certainly understood that they were better than, that Manny was better than Newman on spots two through, you know, 22 on the football field. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like, well, Arch plays these private schools in New Orleans, and it's this and that, and it's, oh, a 2A, oh, what a big challenge. And it's like, no, I mean, this is a, it is a big challenge. Manny's probably going to, at the very least, play for a state semifinal uh, this year. And, um, I mean, that's at, at the public level, so. Yeah. Also, if, Man- if Manny doesn't win the 2A state, title they should just do they should just bring back a battle on the border and do small town louisiana versus texas like matchups to kick off the year because if not goodness gracious yeah i would recommend anybody if you're looking for a really cool environment you want to just go see a game there were a couple of our listeners uh andy arnold who's a guy that listens to the podcast and um has always interacted with us on twitter one of my favorite guys because he's always been very supportive of us um, was on the sideline sitting on the track in the overflow seating and, and flagged me down as I was walking up the sideline. So it was great to meet him. Um, I think he said he had made the trip from Tyler or somewhere in East Texas. Gotcha. Um, but like, yeah, if you're out and you just want to go see a cool environment, go go see a Manny game. It was I, I thought it was awesome. It was thumbs up for me. And really, you know, Hudson, like we said, you're the small school snob, so you've been part of more of these things. I go to a lot of bigger school games this was one of the closer things to mid County madness that I had experienced, which was my, my, it's been my favorite high school football experience. Exactly. And, and for those who don't know, mid County madness is Port Natures Groves versus Nederland. One of, I think Dave Campbell's has it as the best rivalry in Texas high school football. And yeah, it is almost that level. I mean, obviously there wasn't that level of hate because that's an all timer, but you're right in that it's that same type of vibe once you enter the stadium. So yeah, I mean, just 10 out of experience, 10 out of 10 experience for me. It was great getting to see uh, everything live with Arch. Um, I don't know, just like we were talking about, the traits are there. Like he he is as advertised when it comes to the intangibles of playing quarterback, the quick release, 
ability with his legs. The arm talent is really impressive. I guess that would be maybe the one thing that I wish I could have seen more of, but they just weren't able to really get anything five step or, you know, deep shots down the field because they just weren't able to win against Manny's superior athletes. Yep. All right. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break and we will hear from a couple of our sponsors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we return uh, from a very exciting, I'm sure, ad read uh, from our wonderful sponsors who we love and trust at all times. Um, So before we move on to the picks, a couple more notes here. Uh, You were able to see Jonah Wilson and Ryan Niblett uh, last week. Uh, can you quickly just give us a, a rundown of that game, what you thought of each guy? And uh, it seemed like the place to be is, once again, Hudson has been a Steve Sarkeesian magnet this year. I think like he's been to three games where Sark's been on the sideline. Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, I guess just real quickly, it was a little bit of a struggle bus to get both of them involved early. You know, the it, you never like we never really want to criticize coaching staffs. And I, I think we have friends on both staffs, but I think even the DeCaney and Eisenhower coaches would put their, their hands up in the first half of that game and say, Hey, we need to get our studs the ball more. Um, but then, you know, Jonah Wilson kind of took over and Ryan Niblett was giving it his all. I mean, he was really the only thing that Aldean Eisenhower had working. Um, talked to both of them after the game and they were so excited that uh, Sark and Marion were there with Niblett. As far as the recruiting front goes, I already wrote this, but he's still getting um, a lot of coaches and from across the nation reaching out to him. But he said that he just doesn't even respond. Like he's totally locked in on Texas, which is very exciting if you're a Horns fan, because that's a top 60 player in the nation, according to 24 seven sports. So that's very good news. Jonah Wilson. I will say the only thing is with him, he is, he says that he's locked into Texas. I believe him, but he has shown up for a couple of Houston games this year, which is something worth monitoring, but I don't think that Houston would be able to flip uh, the big man from uh, the Texas Longhorns. And Mike, I mean, you kind of have touched on it earlier this year. 
I mentioned it, I believe, early in one of the uh, live update Texas high school football threads. But Jonah has been making an argument for a ratings bump in this uh, senior season. Like, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, I, you know, he's just doing things differently. He's playing to the athleticism. And you said you're, you're a great gauge for this because you are 6'4". Like Jonah's listed, I think we changed it, but he was listed at one point, like at six one, and you said, "Hey, I think he's pushing six four at this point." Yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell exactly if I was taller, or he was taller, but it's enough, right, to where, um, like, at one point, I think we had him listed at six one, and that finally got changed. Like, he is definitely not six one. Um, and to your point too about how he's doing different things. It's that he always has had this jump ball contested catchability, right? But now, in addition to that, which I still think he does at such a good level, he's able to take pitches to the house. He's able to win with intermediate routes that require a little bit more finesse than your traditional just, you know, 6'4 X receiver has. So, I don't know. I'm I'm really buying a lot of Jonah Wilson stock, and you know we're always going to be pretty honest when it comes to player evaluations. Like there are some guys this year whose senior seasons I haven't exactly been thrilled yet with, but if there's one person I'm banging on the table for when it comes to a, a ratings bump, it's going to be Wilson. I think that's a good bye week idea, maybe, or when we have a slow recruiting week, we'll talk about what we've seen from senior seasons so far. Because I go over the film each week for our Wednesday highlight articles, and so I kind of get to see what what everybody in the class uh, is doing. Um, one last note: Texas does uh, host West Virginia this weekend. They will have visitors at the game. Uh, probably the big note uh, name is a 2026 uh, player, Julian Lewis uh, from the state of Georgia, who Hudson has been able to make an early connection with um, and really get to know. He came in for the Texas Elite Day, but is a guy that has a national buzz amongst all the schools recruiting him. Yeah, Mike, we've talked about this before, but Julian Lewis, hilariously, he is a freshman in high school playing at Carrollton, which is a true prospect factory blue chip type program in the state of Georgia. Right. But as a freshman in high school, he's legitimately the biggest target at QB on the board uh, for the Texas Longhorns. Right. Because we've kind of admitted that they're not, I, I don't think punting is the right word on Julian saying, but the, the writing's on the wall that they're not getting Julian saying, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say it. Okay. I just want just wanted to make sure. Uh, and so in 2024, there's no other quarterback offer. That's realistic, right? There's no 2025 quarterback offer. So your lone big priority QB is a 2026 uh, QB from the state of Georgia who has been taking a ton of visits early in the fall has offers, I believe from Alabama, Georgia, Florida, like a, a ton of major programs, even though it's early uh, and has been in Austin. I, I believe he works out with Quincy Avery and a couple of other uh, skills development guys. And there's, there was a pretty big viral video of him throwing at a session at uh, Del Valley High School out in the Austin area over the uh, summer. And it was NFL players reacting to him with guys like Malik Willis. Uh, there was a bunch of others. I want to say 
I think CJ Stroud might've been there. Anyway, the point being, even though he is a freshman, he's kind of the next up um, on the Texas quarterback board, even though there are literally two classes um, ahead of him. I made the joke that we have a literal world cup cycle before uh, we get to his national signing day. And we still haven't kicked off the 2022 World Cup yet. So there's a long way to go. But with the potential of reclassification and the wake that Arch Manning has left in that there aren't a ton of there aren't a ton of suitors that really want to be the guy that follows Arch. So you're looking at more than likely a bridge QB in the 24 class. And then with 25, it gets interesting with Lewis potentially reclassifying like it's just a kind of funny situation. Uh, I broke that he was going to be uh, visiting for the West Virginia game, I think last week or maybe two weeks ago. And um, he's following through on it. And it's going to be a really good opportunity for Steve Sarkeesian to kind of show um, Lewis what Texas can offer, even after a really encouraging first visit at the uh, Elite Bash event back in June, I believe. Um, hashtag broke that. All right. Uh, we will, of course, have any post-game coverage from visitors, as, uh, as we always do, um, depending on the outcome of the game. So check back with Horns 24-7 for that. Let us now bring in our good friend Guy Frazier, who joins us every week on the show uh, to talk high school, uh, Texas high school football, high school picks. Uh, bef- uh, before we get into the recap, Guy, how's it going? Good. Uh Typical tired self after a week of class, but we get fall break next week and looking forward to some football this weekend. So doing okay. Okay, Sky will be back in Austin to be our boots on the ground reporter inside DKR uh, to let us know how everything is. Uh, All right, Hudson, hit us with the with the recap. Perfect. Uh, Mike, so you know this because. I mean, maybe you don't know this, but you're willing to riff with me. You're willing to yes and as I go through something. Segments are all the buzz in podcasts these days. you got to have segments. They don't want to listen to just friends riffing and having a good time. We need segments. That way our good friends, the advertisers, can, you know, maybe throw us a bone. So we introduced a new segment last week in Poking the Bear, which critical acclaim. The the people loved Poking the Bear. Uh, Here's a new segment called Hudson Apologizes. So on Talking Texas, we'll get to my Adrian Martinez and Kansas State apology. But for now, the apology goes to Guy and the Frisco Wakeland Wolverines, who opened up a can of like whoop ass over state ranked Frisco Lone Star. I did not understand this game on the pick'em. We all picked Lone Star and Connor Strong, the Frisco Wakeland Wolverines, I think like 38 to 13, the, the Rangers rolled i i gotta say i didn't I, I can't claim anything i didn't feel confident enough to pick it i picked uh lone star but i i think i did reference the fact that wakeland had played reedy pretty tough yes. uh, before that and that lone star guy and i both talked about lone star not being as strong as they uh previously have been so um i do think that uh there was i, I definitely saw the chance of that coming in other news, uh, another segment, Hudson being right, Lake Highlands 42, Berkner 7. That was, uh, a, that, was, that was a tough one. All of us picked Lake Highlands. All three of us also flirted with maybe going with Waxahachie, but 
luckily stuck with the, our senses, went with the Soto, and the Eagles kind of cruised in that one. I think the the uh, scoreboard was actually – or the box score was made it a little bit closer than it actually was. Um, Westlake prevailed in the Battle of the Lakes, but Austin Lake Travis really kind of hung with them in the first half, I believe led for a large portion of the game. And then in the only matchup that we had a disagreement on, both of y'all got Dallas Parish Episcopal right. I chose China Spring. The final was 24 to 16 with the number one private school in the state of Texas prevailing over uh, the 4A Division One number two China Spring Cougars. So, Guy, with that, I'll hand it off to you and we'll get into this. Uh, slate of the picks, current standings, Hudson 17-9, Mike 17-9, Guy 16-10. and 10. Very close. Yeah, the, the gap is slowly closed, and we've got, we've got a good little race going now between the three of us. Um, so we're kind of at that odd spot in the season. It started a little bit last week, and it'll, it'll kind of trickle in the next week as well. Mike and I were kind of talking about this where it's, it's that part of the year where a lot of schools are getting into district, but there's a lot of buys. So the overall schedule is kind of hit or miss. Um, you can find some gems out there. Uh, but you could also look up in your area. It doesn't really have a whole lot going on for the week. So we scoured the uh, the statewide schedule, found five good ones, I think, for the listeners for the week six slate. Uh, and starting off will be in our own backyard here in the DFW area as we go to 7 p.m. Friday at beautiful Panther Mustang Stadium as uh, 5A Division II's number eight team, the Grapevine Mustangs, who are three and one. Uh, Take on their, I guess, younger brother um, and, and crosstown rival, the 5A Division II, number five, Colleyville Heritage Panthers, who are three and one as well. Um, according to the DCTF computer, Heritage enters this game as a four point favorite. Um, for those who don't know, this is the Battle of the Red Rail, uh, which kind of goes back to the uh, the history with, with the area and the railroad um, that goes through it. Um, and then they have this rivalry game between the two communities. Um, I don't know a whole lot about these two teams this year. I do know that this is the first time in a couple of years that these two will meet in a district game, which adds a little bit more importance to it. Um, and also to say that these are the two best teams in their district. So this might be uh, what you could see as a district championship early in district play. Um, I was at the 2018 game. It's an extremely fun environment, and with their new upgraded stadium, uh, it should be an awesome scene. Uh, so if you're in the DFW area, uh, kind of around DFW Airport, this might be a game worth your time going out and venturing to. Uh, the wheel's spoken. I'll go first. Mike will go second, and Hudson will be on the trail. Um, I've kind of covered everything I need to about this game. And with that said, I am going to take the Panthers, so I'll go with Heritage. Um, I think this will be a really close game. I think it'll be the first time in a couple of years that that'll be the case. Um, and I think it'll be fireworks abundance there. So uh, give me the Panthers. Yeah, looking at Colleyville Heritage's resume, I mean, they went into ISS and Irving and got a win. That's tough to do. We know that. Um, they uh, A puzzling loss. Uh, not puzzling in the sense that I don't think Texas High couldn't beat them, but Texas High kind of put it on Heritage in week two, uh, 48-23. Uh, and then a win over Ennis, which I don't know what an, a win over Ennis means this year because it's been uh, so up and down. And then a, a win against Triple Tech. 
uh, is going to mean nothing. Whereas I think Grapevine took care of Wakeland, which again, I mean, I, what does that mean? Up and down again, uh, beat the Hazel boys and then, um, and couldn't get past Argyle, which is no, uh, no shame in that, I suppose. I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to lean to the, uh, in some individual talent in this game, um, looking out for Riley Wormley, a 2025 running back for Colleyville heritage, um, who is uh, a guy that is on, on the Texas board, a guy that shard choice identified really quickly. Um, and, and heritage always has, you know, I think the advantage up front, um, in this game. So I'm going to go with Colleyville heritage. I'm glad you mentioned Riley Wormley. That is the best player in the game, and he's at running back. I, I'm in a tough spot with this one, right? Because it's the Battle of the Red Rail. Heritage has kind of dominated this series uh, as of late. And so a lot of my gut is saying just stick with the, you know, stick with the Panthers. I, I really uh, love Kirk Martin, their coach. Um what he did at Manville was pretty impressive stuff, right? Um, and Wormley especially, I mean, that just that just makes it a little tough. But Grapevine, I do feel like, has the better resume, as you were kind of hinting at, Mike. I feel like they have the better resume. And I don't know maybe if it's just uh believing too much in the result against Argyle who we're not exactly sure how good that team is but I don't know some part of me also just wants to take Grapevine and that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna roll with the Mustangs I don't like the uh you know four straight picks that we had last week where we're all picking the same school as well that bit me in the ass though where China Spring ended up losing but you know F it uh, as Lee Corso once uh, so beautifully said, give me, give me that Mustang. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think you can go wrong either way. Yeah. Um, it's a four point spread. So it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking Kansas state to be beat Oklahoma or anything crazy. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think Mike made a really good point before we move on. Colleyville heritage typically is the more menacing looking team. At least they have been in recent history. Um, and just, Typically have the better slate of athletes, but Grapevine can typically be pretty fun, and they have been um, within the last five to six years and um, at times have, have been a pretty good program themselves. So good points by all. Um, okay, next up, uh, another DFW game, and a little bit of an interesting game between a program that has been steady Eddie the last couple of years and a program that is kind of back on the rise. So 7 p.m. Friday at Mesquite's Hamby Stadium. Uh, we have the 6A number 20 team in the state, the Rockwall Yellow Jackets, who are 4-1, and one, making the short drive west um, to take on a familiar foe in the Mesquite Horn Jaguars, who are 4-1 and one themselves. Uh, DCTF Computer has this game as a 24-point favorite in favor of the Yellow Jackets. Um, Hudson, it looks like the wheel is spoken. You'll go first. I'll go second. And Mike will be on the trail this time. Yeah, I, I'm, I, the analysis is just, I think Rockwall is better. I like what uh, y'all's boy Courtney is doing at Horn. I think that he's going to turn that program into a legitimate contender in the next few years. But uh, give me Rockwall on this one. 
Yeah, I think this is a, a game with, with teams who are in different spots right now uh, and kind of do it different ways. Um, with Rockwell, I think they have a very steady Eddie offense as is capable of being explosive as, as they exploded um, all over their, their, their rival Rockwell Heath last week in a, in a big rivalry win. Um, and then we saw Mesquite Horn a couple of weeks back, the three of us in a scrimmage against North Crowley. I think my main takeaway was they have a lot of impressive pieces on defense that we knew about, um, including DJ Coleman, the Baylor commit, TCU commit, uh, Jordan Lester, uh, and Armstrong and Dottom, the the edge guy that we like a lot that's built like a brick house. Uh, and they have some explosive guys on offense as well, like Chris Don, but they don't really have a quarterback. Um, I think that is something you kind of need against a, a Rockwall ISD program the last couple of years. I don't think that's any different this year as well. Um, so I think the uh, computer's pretty accurate here. I think Rockwall does distance themselves. So give me the Yellow Jackets. Uh, but I do like what Courtney's doing so far with Mesquite Horn. I think this is their best start um, in, in quite some time, a couple of years. So right direction, uh, but I don't think they get it done this Friday. Give me a rock wall. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I do think um, if you look at the North Crowley program and where it is today, and a lot of that's credit to Ray Gates and his coaching staff and year one where they've got that program. But a lot of it is the program that Courtney built at North Crowley before he left to Mesquite Horn as well. Um, and so I do think that they've got some encouraging things going. Uh, it's amongst the circle of Texas high school football coaches that are my friends, Courtney Allen is in the innermost circle. So I would love to see him pull something off and get a huge win in year one at Horn. I just don't see it happening. I've got, I'll take Rockwell as well. And before we move on to the next pick, Let's go ahead and take another break and hear from those great sponsors of ours. Hell yes. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. We appreciate our sponsors. Guy, do you love our sponsors? I, I do. Um, I know them so well. I think I could say them myself, you know. All right. No much back of my hand. Take us to the next game. Okay. Uh, game number three on our slate, we go down to the Alamo City, uh, 7 p.m. Friday at Northeast ISD's Commander Stadium, which I believe I've been to maybe once. Um, not an area I've ventured to too much, but – uh, we've, we've got a good one in Northeast ISD as we've got San Ten the San Antonio Brandeis Broncos who are four and one, uh, taking on their, their district foe, the San Antonio Johnson Jaguars who are three and one themselves. 
Uh, according to the Dave Campbell's computer, uh, Johnson enters this game as an eight-point favorite. Um, great quarterback game here. Uh, we've, we've spoken about one of these teams I know earlier in the season, but I think this is a good breakdown here. The wheel has spoken. Hudson, you'll go first. I will go second. And, Mike, once again, you'll be in the trail. So you kind of hinted at the quarterback battle. So you have J.C. Evans, the 2024 uh, QB at San Antonio Brandeis, who's a really intriguing guy, has camped at Texas a couple times, 6'4", 6'5", really strong arm. I think with his current motion, even has the ability to unlock some more arm strength if he utilized his base a little bit more. And so just really intriguing prospect that, doesn't have a ton of offers, but in that 24 class, I, I really view as a potential like senior sleeper type of uh, player. And, you know, it, the DCTF computer has this as an eight point game um, with Johnson favorite, as you mentioned, but I, I think it is worth mentioning that I believe JC Evans missed two games this year for Brandeis. So, you know, the data, I, I truly am viewing this almost as a pick them to a five-point game um, just because I, I don't think – I think that Brandeis is a different team, duh, uh, when they have their stud D1 quarterback, best player on the team. Uh, Brandeis has a couple of other uh, Division One fringe prospects. I know they have a 2025 wide receiver whose name I'm blanking on, but is uh, I saw at the State 7-on-7 seven seven tournament this summer and was very impressed with. But the other guy, the other side of the equation, 2025 San Antonio Johnson QB, Ty Hawkins, has really become one of our favorite players in the state, largely because of his week one heroics and a loss against Converse Judson in the Alamo Dome triple header that was just an absolute banger of a slate. But he's continued that, that performance and has kind of taken Johnson to the next level in that he's just racking up 400, 500 total yard performances week after week and really putting this program on his back. I know that Matt Stepp from Dave Campbell said that if Judson and Johnson were to rematch, he'd like uh, Johnson by a couple scores with uh, the rematch. And I don't know, Matt saying that and also just my own gut lean to Johnson uh, made me want to pick the Jaguars in this one. So that's what I'm rolling with for this matchup, guy. Yeah, I like the point you brought up about the quarterback play, kind of diving in there deeper. Um, I like J.C. Evans, but the one thing that's kind of always bothered me is his mechanics and throwing motion. It's a lot of arm, and it's just kind of a roundabout way of getting there uh, to the end product. Um, so that's always kind of held me back a little bit with him, but there's no doubt that there's some talent there. Um, and then you go to the other side of it with Ty, and as I spoke about earlier in the season, we all did, his week one performance against Judson just made me fall in love. And, and it's good to see that he's kind of continued that trend a little bit. Um, but he was just a lot of fun. I, I think he's a really dynamic athlete and a good quarterback as well. I, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and see, well, what else do they kind of complement with? And I didn't have to go very far. Um, looking at Matt Stepp's uh, ride up on, on the big school games this week on DCTF, he actually highlighted two players that, are probably not on a recruiting radar for a show like this, but I thought they were worth mentioning just because of their gaudy numbers. Um, a week ago, Brandeis' running back, Joseph Coleman, ran for 216 yards and three touchdowns. And, and on the same Friday last week, uh, Johnson's running back, Lauren Johnson, ran for 238 and three touchdowns himself. So you've got two offenses that will keep you honest and can get the job done multiple ways. Um 
I saw Step pick Brandeis in this game, and I don't know wh- why. Maybe it's just because I saw Johnson play and, and watch that that game back in week one. But I think I'm going to roll with the Jaguars. Um, I think they're they're pretty similar, and it's, it's close enough to a pick 'em type game. So uh, give me the Jags, and if nothing else, I think I just kind of like their jerseys better and their their uni colors. So uh, give me Johnson. Well, Brandeis has a pretty tough uniform combination, I think. I yeah, like their stuff. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I kind of forgot Ty Hawkins existed. Um, it's just something that happens where it's like that game in the Alamo Dome feels like it was five years ago almost. Yeah. Um, and like we were so captivated by it. And then I went on with the other million kids I have to keep track of and just hadn't thought about it again. And then, uh, you know, seeing this game pop up on the schedule, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, in looking at it, I think Brandeis might have the better team, um, construction, but when you've got a difference maker like that under center who could do it, not only with his arms, but with his legs as well, I've, I'm going to go with Hawkins here and San Antonio Johnson and, uh, and have them rolling. And I think we're all hoping that San Antonio Johnson makes like this miracle run so we can see them uh, in the playoffs and maybe go see some Ty Hawkins action live. I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, moving on to our final big game or big school game of the week. Um, game number four, of the slate, 7.30 PM Friday at Temple's Wildcat Stadium. They're right off of 35 as you're heading southbound. We've got the Pflugerville Wise Wolves uh, from the Austin area who surprising two and three so far this season, making the trip to face off with the Temple Wildcats who are three and two themselves. A little bit of an interesting game with two programs that are in pretty good health overall, but their record's uh, maybe you're a little disappointed so far at this point in the season. The will has spoken. Mike will go first for first time tonight. Hudson will go second, and I will be in the trail. So Pflugerville Weiss, or Wiss, for the old school listeners of this podcast, oh. um, where the term aggressively wrong was coined first on this podcast, um, they, have a, <laughs> they have a weird resume uh, because they're two and three. Right. Losses to Round Rock, Austin LBJ, and Harker Heights. None of those you look at and are like, okay, well, I mean, those are bad losses. And they've got a win over Converse Judson, who I don't know. Like, I, I would say it's a pretty strong data point, uh, Judson. And they've got a win over New Braunfels, who, I mean, for whatever it's worth, beat Ditton Ryan in week one. So a really weird, like, when you just look at it off the bat, going, okay, what do we make of this team? Then you go to Temple. <clears throat> Temple has a win over McKinney in a in a fairly low scoring affair. They beat a Willis team that again I don't, I don't know how good they are. I think they've got you know a, a good quarterback, but uh, not not maybe a great team. Losses to College Station and Arlington Martin and a win over Bryan. So I think their resumes are almost about identical. I've gone back and forth on this. I'm going to go with them being at home. I'm going to take Temple. Man, I I thought you were gonna pull the trigger on Weiss, and I don't know. Like, it, I would. I've neither would shock me. Would you say? I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all. Like, uh, it's a what is this a, a nine Temple's a nine point favorite? I'll, I'll, I'll Weiss, be honest. Weiss could this, win by three touchdowns, and it wouldn't shock. Me. 
if this was in if this was in Pflugerville, I would be taking Weiss like without much hesitation. The only thing is that like they've just had such a wild season, and going on the road to Temple, it's one of the true like. I mean, for 6A football, it's one of the true, like, only spots to where I do think that you legitimately do get points as a um, as a home team in that environment at uh, Temple Wildcat Stadium. Like, I don't know. I I'm not. I have not been very impressed with Temple so far. Like, spoiler alert: we're going to have Temple at Harker Heights on the Pick'em in I think three or four weeks. I'm going to pick Harker Heights when that game happens. Um, but I don't know with so much, I guess, uncertainty on both sides. And, you know, I, I, I we've, I've mentioned Micah Gifford, the Baylor commit, uh, wide, the wide receiver who plays for Weiss. I like him a ton, but I think that, um, Tori and York, Mikhail Harrison pilot and Nateen Mitchell, you know, are, are enough talent for the Wildcats to get it done at home. But like you said, Mike, if, if it ends up being Weiss 42, Temple to 28, I'm not going to look up on Friday and be stunned. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with this game. Um, uh, Hudson made up, brought up a really good point that I actually was going to kind of fall back on, and it's that I, I think Wildcat Stadium is a legit like home field advantage, especially for a big school-type atmosphere, which sometimes in modern day high school football can be a little ho hum, uh, depending on the, the place you go to. But agreed, this is like a legitimate place. When I when I was in school at Baylor, I would make the short trip down to Temple often when they'd play Midway or, or someone else there in the Central Texas region, and it's a fun place to go see a game when it's packed um, and it gets somewhat loud in there. So. I think I'm going to fall back on that, and, and I do like the talent on the. T- Temple side a little bit more. I love that Hudson brought up Nathan Mitchell, a little bit of an undersized DB that's going to New Mexico State as of now. Uh, I think that's a real big steal for the Aggies. I think he's a a dog. Um, um, And then you've got Torian York as well and uh, Mikhail Harrison Pilot. So there's some legitimate dudes, and and that's not to take away from Micah Gifford, but uh, I think there's a little bit more for Temple. They get them at home, too. So give me the Wildcats. But I think this is a really fun game for two teams with kind of ho-hum resumes so far. Yeah, I, I love this pick em. Can we go on a quick tangent before we go to our final game? Yeah, I've got a tangent, too. So let's oh. it's tangent time. Okay, uh, new, seg- new segment, tangent time. Mike, you go first because mine might extend a little bit. What's your tangent? I just – it's funny to me, and I don't disagree with either of your points on it. I do think that it's valid. But I'm thinking in my head, I think I've been to Wildcat Stadium to cover three games, and I think Temple's lost all three times. So <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just a me thing. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, I mean, be careful because you'll get banned from Wild – like – you know, they're a serious enough fan base that they'll hear this and be like, all right, Mike Roach never can come back. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic, like, Taj Mahal-type stadium. It's one of the originals. One, one of those losses, by the way, was a, like, a Temple lost on purpose at the end of the season to avoid Westlake or somebody like that. Yeah, and then it, it bit yeah. him in the rear. And then a four and six Mesquite Horn team rolled in in the playoff round one and and uh, and beat them. They were it, avoiding that, Longview. The Longview. That's who it was. That's who it was. Yeah. yeah. You just don't do that. Yeah. No, it, it really always bites you, especially if you try to do it on the last week of the season. The, the, there's been so many examples of this to where 
like when you tell your team to flip the switch off, like it's tough to get, to get them back, especially if you don't have a complete uh, cakewalk in the first round. Like, and even if you do, you end up just, uh, I don't know, disrupting the flow. And if you don't know what we're talking about, um, because I know not everybody is Texas based in six, a football in Texas with the enrollment um, it, it, there, there aren't pre-split classifications like in five a and below to where, you know, if your school has 1900, you're five AD one, but if they have 1300, you're five AD two in six a, the four teams that make the playoffs top two go division one, uh, bottom two in enrollment go division two. So you have a little bit of flexibility with some of the big contenders on whether they can go into the division one or the division two bracket. You have it every year with Katie South Lake and Westlake are kind of in that same boat uh, every year. You obviously don't have to worry about it if you're an Allen Duncanville North Shore type mega school. Before we move on, I'd also like to circle back to Torian York and just mm-hmm. give him his kudos well, Fantastic he's attacking, high school football player. Yeah, right. And while he's a tackling machine and, and hits everything moving, and Baylor found him a good one there, he's also maybe on my Mount Rushmore of, like, nicest kids I've ever come across. He's awesome. Like, he's the ultimate nice guy, and it's, it's like, sincere as well. So I always like giving kids that credit uh, when it's due. And you could do that for a lot of kids, but he really is at, like, the top of that list for me. Absolutely. I've been a big fan since day one. And I remember um, running into Mikhail Harrison pilot and Nathan Mitchell early in their recruitments and saying, Hey, I really love your teammate, Tori in York. I think he's a monster. And like, they showed up at the next thing we were at and they were like, Mike, we brought Tori and he's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, did y'all realize that Torian's been playing some running back for temple this year and has been probably their best offensive uh Weapon, I think, I, and Mikel's very good, but they know that but a little bit makes sense. I, I still have, it. I still have my tangent. Can we talk about just personal experience? I know Mike mentioned his point about uh Temple, which is very funny, but I, you know, in general, though, obviously, even if it's not a true effects wins and losses type atmosphere, like who really brings it on Friday nights? That's my tangent, just because I'm curious with y'all. I think. I think this is a rare uh, me giving credit to this school because I know a lot of times I kind of have to play the heel with them, but like Highlander stadium is, is a school like is an environment that I don't think gets the credit it deserves. Obviously we talked about Longview a little bit last week. Lobo stadium's awesome. The reservation and Port Natchez, like those are more five a, but for six a, any others y'all can think of. It's or five, eight, it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe, I mean, Chaparral Stadium with Westlake isn't bad. Yeah, it, it's, not, it's, not it's not like great, but. Yeah, but it's not the type of, I think most people would think it's like, uh, you know, in Houston, Golf we class, always used to joke about Bel Air Episcopal serving like Fagua and like, right. you know, like, you know, that type of shrimp, that type of concession stand environment. And I think some people think that that's the, um, Westlake game environment when in reality I don't know I went there a couple of times for big games when uh, I think Sam was a senior in high school and I was at the University of Texas like they'll bring it in the Joey McGuire days the Cedar Hill Cedar yeah, Hill was right call the great, Red Army yeah great call um, yeah those always funny unfortunately because, uh, it's it's not like that anymore is it guys? no no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I, I gosh I can't imagine what it's like right now I won't guy won't get this reference 
but um, because he refuses to watch or read Game of Thrones. Uh, but there's like a running theme in Game of Thrones where they keep telling Daenerys Targaryen, like, there are people like secretly drinking toast to your return. Guy is secretly drinking toast to the Cedar Hill return. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Houston area, I'd probably say. Oh, oh, the rig. Oh, oh yeah. That's a really Pear- good. Like, Pearland obviously isn't where they were in their heyday when they were competing for state titles, but that's a great call. Still a really good environment though. Yeah. If we're, yeah, exactly. Talking more environment over like how, because obviously, you know, we could just be like, Oh yeah. uh, North shore stadium. Right. But no, for pure environments, great call. Yeah. It's like, it's like when Nick was over there a couple weeks ago, seeing North shore, he's like, I'm, I'm on the East side right now. It's like, that looks like a generic ISD stadium with not a whole lot going on with it. I mean, it's literally Galena park ISD stadium. Yeah, correct. But I was just like, I'm not sure what I'm really missing here. You know, I'm looking on the Instagram story, looking for one. You know, there's, um, there's one I went to, I, uh, Richmond Foster plays there from time to time. It's like, uh, in the Rosenberg area. Um, I think like Lamar consolidated. It's like on their campus. Oh, is it the it, house that Jaquiz built? Yeah, it's an older like style stadium, almost like a bigger version of Cravens uh, or something like that. It, that's got some charm to it. Still, they haven't like uh, bleached all the all the history out of it. I don't know. I, I can't think of any other big school because I do think uh, that's one advantage that small schools and you know kind of lumping some five A's into the small school, just because you have the single ISD um, element and the single school ISD element and everybody rallies around and it's easier to fill a lot of the lower capacity. So you get these really incredible environments. So I don't know, just wanted to go on that quick tangent. Uh, Apologies for that, but guy, I think we have one more to go. Yeah, so y'all did y'all's tangent. I'll do my weekly bit where I shout out my my good friend, Abilene Cooper great, Chris Heron, who actually gave me a good tidbit on Wakeland. Um, they might be slowing down a little bit this year, or although maybe they're on an upswing. Uh, their head coach, Marty Secker, retired after the year. So we didn't know that. We were looking for reasons why Wakeland might be slowing up a little bit. So new head coach, that, that might be part of it. He was the one that gave me that tidbit of knowledge. Um, okay. Also, Frisco ISD in general, who who the hell knows? Oh, it's always a guess. I'm trying to see what the district standings are. Like, I think right now, Frisco High, Heritage, and Reedy all are 3-0 in district. So it's like, okay, truly who knows? Yeah, we've Frisco ISD. Let's move on. No, no, I have another tangent now. Okay. I'm not going to go full pack watch, say everything we say about Marty Secord, but See you later, Marty, after being the guy who drives the Frisco ISD media policy and has denied more media from showing up to oh, Frisco was he games. The one? From having he's had the biggest hand in it. Uh you know hope you enjoy retirement, Marty. Do you know what tree he comes from, Mike? If you tell me he's a Randy Allen guy, it wouldn't shock me at all. He, he coached my boy at Adeline Cooper. Yeah, he was an assistant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see you later, Marty. Enjoy retirement. <laughs> Oh, God, Frisco Lone Star might not make the playoffs. Yeah, isn't that wild? Oh, shoot. Our, our Man, God, poor Sherman. Poor Sherman. A great high school town that just has to play Frisco Centennial Lebanon Trail. Like, ugh. 
<laughs> Wait, by the way, you want to talk about, I mean, again, not a 6A, but great environments. Denison oh, and Sherman are both incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I still need to do Battle of the Axe to open up a year sometime. John. Guy and I went during the COVID year, so, or no, we saw well, Liberty. We went, we went and saw first go Liberty play. No, it was Step and I went to Battle of the Axe that year, which it, it, yeah. it didn't have a, as much because it was the first game of, of the COVID season and they were still like limiting uh, tickets, but it still was, was sure. really awesome. All right, let's move on to the last one here. Okay. Uh, small school game of the week, game number five. It's a really fun one with uh, two tradition-rich programs as we have 7.30 p.m. Friday at Tarleton State's Memorial Stadium where the great Stan Frazier once played his college football. <laughs> the 4A D1 number nine team in the state, the Brownwood Lions, who are 4-1, uh, face off with a familiar foe, uh, 4A Division One's Number one team in, in, in all of the state, uh, Stephenville Yellow Jackets, who are 5-0 and at this point, um, and who won state last year. Uh, the Yellow Jackets are 10-point favorite, according to the DCTF computer heading into this game. The wheel has spoken long ago. It looks like Hudson will go first, I will go second, and Mike again will be in the trail to wrap things up. So all of us are going to uh... – all of us are going to mention this, so I might as well be the first. Stephenville is the number one team in 4A Division I. Uh, because they're the state champs, uh, the defending state champs, they haven't lost yet. But they have not been super convincing uh, during their uh, time trying to repeat as champs. 49-42 to 42 over Midlothian Heritage. 5A team, good win. 62-61 to 61 at 5A Everman. I think Everman's very good, but you get down 21 to nothing early in that one. They give up 34 to Decatur, who has a Division I running back prospect. So, right, you can't, like, fault them for giving up a ton of points. They win 56 to 49 at Abilene Wiley. And then last week, 43 to 42, Wichita Falls Rider, who, again, is a 5A team, so it's not like you can um, – it's not like you can fault them for winning games close and giving up a ton of points, but uh, I don't believe that Wichita Falls Riders' best player, um, who I, I've loved and really uh, kind of, I don't know, early on in his recruiting process when he wasn't getting a ton of offers, um, was Anquan Willis. Champion him. Yeah, Anquan Willis, the Texas Tech commit. Um, I don't believe he played. I believe uh step reported that he was out for the rest of the season and i have to imagine if he plays for Ryder, they probably win that game considering it was a one point uh loss without him so with that being said even though stephenville are the favorites and it's a home game i i don't have a ton of confidence in picking them right it's not the slam dunk pick that i think when you look at it on paper it might appear as um, the only problem is uh, there have been a couple games this year where Brownwood has kind of struggled to score. And even though Stephenville's defense has struggled, I don't know, in a rivalry game, I just worry that if you can't go score for score, things can kind of spiral on you pretty quickly. So I'm going to roll with the Yellow Jackets. But if you're in this area of the state, considering that it's at Tarleton and that you're probably going to be able to get a ticket, I would definitely consider going just because it's, Again, as Guy kind of mentioned in the preview, two pretty historic uh, – not pretty, two very Extremely. historic 
yeah, yeah, extremely historic programs in the state of Texas and kind of all that what higher enrollment for a football is all about. For sure. Yeah, I think um, if, you, if you can say one thing about this Stephenville group, um, they have been battle tested from the standpoint of they've shown that they can win a close game, which is a skill. But their 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 schedule is kind of funny because if you look at like Everman, Abilene, Wiley, um, even Decatur, Wichita Falls, Ryder, like these are all good programs. Yeah, from years past that are kind of in weird spots right now. Um, in the current, some better than others, some going in the right direction, some kind of middling out. Someone like Abilene Wiley, who once they went up to five A, they've never really returned back to form. Um, and it's kind of funny. That is kind of one common point between Stephenville and Brownwood this year. Stephenville got the win over Abilene Wiley, and Brownwood did not, uh, both in one-score games. I don't know if you can really compare all that and make a whole lot of sense of it, but it is kind of a commonality between the two. Um, and, and Mike and I actually saw Brownwood play a couple of years ago and kind of looking at their current roster, not a whole lot has changed. They're a fun program right now, but they're not going to throw anybody at you that's going to scare you. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just for when you got done. Okay. Well, and and so with that being said, I think Stephenville is the better athletes at this point um, and, and is a program that's probably built to, to win games like this a little bit more um, at this current juncture. So give me Stephenville. I find the 10-point spread at DCTF's computer throughout there a little interesting. I think it could be a little bit more lopsided, but um, – Look, I think this is a really fun game with two history-rich programs. So if you're kind of in that no-man's land, southwest of Fort Worth, uh, go to this game. Do yourself a favor. I think it'll be a fun one. I have a quick uh, I have a quick uh, just story from my high school career that I would like to throw y'all's way. Okay. So we're going to take you back to the uh, state seven-on-seven tournament when a young Hudson Standish is rolling the Liberty Panthers in, through the champions bracket. And we are playing the uh, Brownwood Lions in, I believe, the third round. Featuring uh, Mr. Kevin Vaccaro, a future mm-hmm. uh, Texas Longhorn. Yep. And, guy, you bringing up the, uh, the Brownwood roster thing just reminded me of Kevin being on those teams and uh, just kind of made me laugh a little bit. But talking about the rivalry between these two, <laughs> between these two schools um, – as we are walking onto the field, all of the Brownwood uh, parents and fans who are in College Station are just absolutely like hooting and hollering because Jared Stidham's Stephenville squad got bounced by Salina and mm-hmm. they were celebrating because they wouldn't have to play Stephenville. Um, and, you know, th- I think that was at a time to where, again, Stidham was really hot on the recruiting trail at that time. And, you know, was somebody that I had gone to camps with and I was aware of how good he was. And so basically they were all um, celebrating the fact that they were going to have a much easier road to the final at the state seven on seven tournament because Stephenville wasn't going to be there. They were pumped. And then the little old Liberty Panthers went out there and beat them. So I was going to say, did y'all throw a, a wrench in that whole plan? We did. We, we beat them on a uh, walk-off two point conversion, I believe only for, I want to say, in the quarterfinals for like Burnett to get us. So, okay. okay. <laughs> well, all so sorts of, of golden uh, 3A, 4A type programs, right? There. It's a lot of mediocrity going on. <laughs> Boo. 
Oh, sorry. I thought we were doing poke in the bear. Um, <laughs> is it my turn? It yeah. is. I think earlier today, Hudson was at my house and he said, well, we're all just going to pick Stephenville. And I've thought it over. I think Stephenville's been flirting with disaster. And yeah, do it. You can say that it's battle tested and they have proven when and guys right. That is a skill. It is a skill the Texas Longhorns can learn to master, uh, winning close games. I it's a rivalry game. The fact that it's at Tarleton, oh. I wish this swing was in, in Brownwood. The fact that it is at Tarleton gives me some pause, but I say throw the records out the window in a rivalry game. <laughs> Give me I, – oh, I just tried to type it on our, uh, our Boy, sheet. This is just a back and forth. I there. tried to type it on our sheet to uh, to uh, to show all of you, but my cursor is at the top. Uh, give me the Brownwood Lions to go oh, in and, and pull off the shocker. Uh, if not for anything, you know, maybe I won't be the only guy going uh, the opposite way in this one. I know Hudson's done that a couple of times, so I'll give him some help. And, and, and now I've got a rooting interest for Friday night. I love it. All right, and uh, hey, you know what we need to do real quick—not for this game in particular—but if we have a really contentious one, or if it's just a really good game, we should do a merch bet where the losers of the game have to buy the winner a whatever school it was uh, shirt. So, for example, obviously not saying that with this game because I don't think it was too contentious. We were pretty excited for you to pick Brownwood. But in theory, Guy and I, if Brownwood, the underdog one, would have to buy you a Lions uh, shirt for you to wear. Just because we also very much enjoy having the random high school swag. Yeah, absolutely. I'm good with that. All right. um, Let's move on uh, and talk about our our weeks coming up. Kind of a guy talked about it earlier. It's a weird part of the season. Uh, the Thursday over night, a third of the over the third of the state, the eleven man schools, over the third of them are on by. So yeah. I know a couple times I've taken exception with the oh, it's not a good slate talk. But in all seriousness, this is the worst slate of the regular season. Yeah, it's it's not great. Thursday was slim pickings in. Uh, in the DFW area. So Guy and I, sometimes, you know, instead of, uh, and I think people look at me when I do this and say, hey, well, why that's not of any interest to Texas. Why are you doing that? I'm going to tell you that the alternative to me going to this game on Thursday night is just me sitting at home. Um, so basically I'm going to do whatever I'd like with it. Um, we are going to see Fort Worth Southwest at Fort Worth Trimble Tech, Fort Worth Southwest head coach Phil Tanner, former Dallas Cowboy, a former Kimball Knight, more importantly, uh, for this podcast, uh, is a friend of ours, got his first head coaching job at Fort Worth Southwest. He has been telling me about some, um, some talent they have. And just for the record, uh, most of the guys that, I mean, Alito has made a living pulling guys out of Fort Worth Southwest. Uh, Brian Allen Jr. started his high school career at Fort Worth Southwest. So that is not an area that is immune to um, to athletes. So uh, I'm going to go see them in Trimble Tech. Friday night, uh, I'm making the trip to Springtown to see the Porcupines of Springtown, one of the great uh, mascot names, um, against Wake O'Connelly. 
a Waco Connolly team that features Kobe Black, the number one player in the state for 2024, and uh, really just a hell of a corner. Um, and uh, Hudson, do we know if uh, if the quarterback will be back? It, I believe they're kind of reporting it, and the rumors have been almost like game time decision for Jelani McDonald, who um, I think is a fan, like we all are fans of him. And, you know, if I were to, I guess, have one guy in the 2023 recruiting cycle that I could get Texas to give a late eval offer on, it would be to him as the Oklahoma State defensive back. Ben. I think he's fantastic. Uh, has been injured, which has caused Connolly to kind of take a step back. And if he gets out there, I think Connolly's a real threat in 4A. But until then, it's going to kind of all be on Kobe Black, who is worth the price of admission, don't get me wrong. Yep, so that'll be my weekend. Um, Guy, what do you have on tap? Yeah, so like you mentioned, Thursday we'll be together for four Southwest and, and Trimble Tech. Uh, cool little note about that game. It'll be at Farrington Field, which is a work progress administration stadium built in the 30s, part of the Hell whole yeah. second New Deal. It's deal. a great, like, great classic old stadium. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my great uncle, who was kind of one of the last fourth ISD great running backs of pre-modern era football, uh, played there. And I know a couple of years ago there was thoughts that they were actually going to do away with the stadium. That really broke my heart because uh, it's a gym. I think that's kind of been put on pause or, or completely put off for now. Um, but so I'm excited to kind of see a game there for the first time in a couple of years um, and go see our friend PT Mike. Um, and then Friday night, kind of back on Highland Park, hundredth uh, year season documentary duties as I will be. At the Highland Park Dallas Jesuit game at Highlander uh, makes a little bit of sense after the long travels to New Orleans last week, just to kind of stay close to home and save some gas. So uh, should be a fun football game. There's some common ground between two schools, obviously from a location standpoint, neighborhoods, even coaching staffs. So um, I expect it to be a really good showing at Highland Highlander, kind of like how Hudson talked about. It's a good. Uh, environment i think that'll live up to it on friday so that'll be fun and then saturday uh, as mike kind of already alluded to i will be in austin at the west virginia game um going to be there anyway but i'll also provide our podcast here some boots on the ground standpoint and view on that game and um i i really hope texas wins this game so what we had in the red river was some some oomph and mojo but uh, i guess we'll see how it rolls We'll, we'll preview it a little bit more on Talking Texas, which, I don't know, sometime, Guy, it'd be fun to have you on Talking Texas uh, with the do the basically just the true state of recruiting, but for just team talk. I hate the term, but God, does this feel like a, you know, almost let an F-bomb slip, but does this feel like a freaking must win or what? Like heading into Red River the next week, it's a home game where you're favored by double digits. Like just get the job done and head into – Head into the Cotton Bowl with a chance to be four and two and kind of, I don't know, make people forget about that Texas Tech game that you should have put away. Um, but my schedule, uh, my schedule Thursday, again, slate's tough. The best game on Thursday, it's not a true best game uh, by any means because I think North Shore will roll. But the, um, in my opinion, the true number one team in the state. Uh, both pound for pound and just 6A, is taking on uh, their neighbor, uh, Sheldon C.E. King, in a 
district game that has a lot of athletes on the field. I think I'm going to go to that one tomorrow, but if not, I'll stay at home and command center. Part of me really wants to go see Ty Hawkins in person with the opportunity um, and just make the trip down to San Antonio, but I think I'll probably stay safe and just go up to uh, Mustang Panther and see Riley Wormley, the 2025 Texas running back offer uh, in the Battle of the Red Rail that we previewed earlier. All right. Um, anything else for you guys that you guys want to drop before we get out of here? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, I'll, I will comment. The uh, in the car, um, St. Aug. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guy, you were in New Orleans. Yeah, I yeah. forgot. Well, tell us about the that experience. Well, Obviously enjoyed it. I uh, got to go to the dojo Hudson at two in the morning, get some chicken on Saturday night. Um, I saw that tweet. I want to say I was the first or second like to it. I it, like more. again. It's a nice little late night snack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, saw some good football Saturday afternoon and Saturday night. Uh, the games were okay in the end, but the stadiums and the atmospheres were great. Yeah. Um, Car kind of ran away with it, right? Yeah, car spanked St. Aug. St. Aug um, is kind of entering this year. They've got some talent, but they're a little young. Well, my God, they're, I don't know if they're completely like that, but uh, they're young, and, and they've also they've got talent in spots that a team like Carr, it, it doesn't matter. They can just take advantage of them, and they're the better program right now, I think, at least for this year. Car's um, a machine. They are a machine. Um and it's interesting, they had just had three games stripped from them for a random player being ruled ineligible. Um, and it, it doesn't matter. It, all it's going to do is going to make a team later on <laughs> the season play them earlier in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. But yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Edna Carr is probably your state champion anyway. But um, got to go to Tad Gormley, which was kind of the main point of this uh, being brought up, which is a another work progress stadium, actually, um, that was built in the 30s. And that is an awesome place to see. It's great. It's, it's, great one the, it's one of the true gems. It's right there in the middle of City Park in New Orleans. Um, saw a game at Pan Am Stadium last year, which is right down the street as well in City Park. Uh, but this place is it's 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 got it's a horseshoe that's that's got some size. It's got two press boxes. It has an awesome track that surrounds. It's a cool atmosphere, being right there in the middle of the of the City Park. Um, and then with the two schools and the bands and everything, it was right up my alley. Um, I guess my last takeaway from it was they did a fifth quarter after the game that went over an hour and a half after is my understanding. I stayed for a little bit of it. Um, and the police started shutting off the lights of the stadium and begging the two bands to leave so that they could go home. <laughs> uh, but the school administration and principals were saying, no, no, no. We're not leaving until someone plays their last note and waves the white flag. So, that, awesome. I mean, that's just so awesome and straight up my alley. And, and um, I guess while Ed Nicar won it on the field, I will give it to the St. Og Marching 100. I think they won it in the stands. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Um, Guy or Mike? Guy, obviously because you saw him this year, right? You're going to know about more about this year's team. Um, but for listeners who aren't as familiar with Louisiana or I guess even more specifically New Orleans football, can you, I guess, Mike, can you kind of touch on like what that 
game means for the city slash and guy i don't know i'm very curious for you how do you think edna car would stack up in texas like i'm not exactly sure of their enrollment or like what classification they would go into or like mm -hmm. i guess how good they are compared to some of the top texas teams in that uh classification just just curious um first yeah i mean anytime car is kind of i mean they're the they're the power in that division, I mean, they they go to state every year. They are in one of the roughest areas of the city, Algiers. Uh, in Algiers. Um, if there's a great book um, that I've recommended a few times, I've recommended the guy, and I think he's got it sitting on a shelf waiting for to find some time to read. Uh, but it's called Across the River uh, by Kent Babb, following a year with the Edinburgh football team, and it is incredible. Um, some of the stuff you hear, I mean, this is, this is one of the most crime ridden places in, in America. Um, and, but car has the car, there's so much city pride around car. And I, I saw car in Easton last year and that's a, you know, the big rivalry game between the two. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think for, for people who, um, who live in the city, that's a big pride game. It's almost it's a lot like, you know, back in, in the, the heavy DISD games when Carter Kimball was a game to go see it. It's kind of that same type of thing. The only time I've really felt that energy was there was a lot of energy the first game of the year when Sock played Duncanville. It was that kind of anticipation. But it's like that every time mm -hmm. uh, Carr plays St. Aug or Carr plays uh, Ward Easton or one of those type of teams. So um, I'm looking up their enrollment, by the way. They're 1,083. Total enrollment, and they are a. Uh, I don't think they're a private. I think they're a charter. Yeah, they're so. This is going to be guy really nerdy now, and I'll keep this short. Most of I think McDonough thirty five is the only New Orleans city school now of all the public schools. Post Katrina, all the New Orleans city schools became charters. Gotcha. And I think there's a push to make McDonough thirty five that by the city because they don't want to have to handle it anymore. Um, there's a lot of pushback by their alum that they don't want to be a charter. Um, but, uh, you know, to kind of connect what it means to the city, uh, St. Og, Edna Carr, L.B. Landry, which was Landry Walker at one point. There's a lot behind that story. But Landry High School, which is the other Algiers High School down the street from Carr, and Warren Easton, those four programs are all led by car men, uh, Edna Carr grads who are known as car men and, and all former football players that played with an Edna Carr program. So there can only be one head coach, obviously, at Carr. So the other three guys had to go take jobs at all the other uh, great inner city programs in New Orleans, which makes that whole kind of dynamic and rivalry very unique because all these guys know each other. They're about in the same age range, um, and, and it kind of – the programs are already connected, but that layer connects it even more. Um, and, and what could Edna Carr do in, in the state of Texas and, and kind of what are they a comp to? Um, you know, I think Mike brought up the numbers. They're just a little bit smaller than South Oak Cliff. I know we talk about them a lot on the show. Um, and they're comparable to that. Um, the program's won for a long time now. and been really good, uh, especially the last decade. And that's a program that kind of flipped Louisiana on its head. Historically, northern Louisiana had a lot of state championships. Now, southern Louisiana uh, takes a lot of that pie. And a program like that is a big reason for that. And now that they're in the Catholic League, it makes it even more intriguing. So, um, yeah, I think they'd be really good in Texas high school football. Um, 
And they're just a really good inner city program with a lot of good athletes and, and good coaching as well. So extremely uh, well coached. I mean, Bryce yeah, Brown, yeah. their their head coach has been called upon for colleges to come be a coordinator um, at times. Like he is his his they are not an athlete driven school. They are a we have a system yeah. and we run this system. And like so much so that you know, sometimes I think that stuff kind of backfires on you at times. Like last year mm-hmm. when I saw them, they had um What's the kid's name? He went to Bama. Aaron, Aaron Anderson um, mm-hmm. played receiver uh, who, who ended up signing with Alabama. And like they would they put him out wide and only run him on like verts. And I said to somebody, I'm like, why don't they put him in the slot? Why don't they move him around? Why don't they do this? And they're like, that's not the system. The system calls for this. So um, they are extremely well coached. Yeah. And he's very protective of his kids and his program. And Rightfully so. Uh, kind of reminds me of like an East Texas vibe. Like you kind of have to be in the circle to really get in with it uh, or be with someone who does know gotcha. someone within the program. But well, it's uh, also if you read the book, like uh, somebody tried to shoot one of his players on the field. So they are very protective right. of them at, at times. Yeah. Like I said, it's a it's a rough area. It is. And um, so there's just some interesting dynamics there, but it's it's like other inner city football cultures, but New Orleans is just a cool place and kind of has its own unique spin on everything just in general outside of football as well. Um, and you definitely got that vibe um, there, uh, you know. And, and I guess the last thing I'll mention is that place holds like 26,000. They had sh- struggles getting everybody inside the stadium in a timely fashion. So some people actually just turned around and went home uh, but I would have to guess that about 66% of it was filled by the end. That's awesome. So there could have been more. I think some of the factor was by the time people got in, the game was already lopsided. Did you so say 66%? Like, we'll yeah, percent. You said 66%. Yeah. Instead like two-thirds. Two-thirds. Just a, okay. I, I thought it was an oddly specific number, percentage. No, of two-thirds. No, I mean, I would say about two-thirds of it. Okay, like if you just said two-thirds, I'd be like, okay, but uh, the 66% was an oddly specific You have to number. go two-thirds or you have you, to go 69%. You think, you you think fractions, I thought percentage, you know. That's okay. uh, just difference in our brain, uh, I guess. I don't, I don't do math, so you're probably better off than me. But, uh, no, I mean, it was it was a good crowd despite the the final outcome and awesome time. So that's that's all I got to say. Um, can I get one more thing off my chest before we end the podcast? Sure. We're going to be poking the bear, by the way. We don't need to. It's, I mean, we're going on an hour 30 here. We need Very to wrap true. up. I will do one. I would like a uh, bit of credit. I gave Highlander Stadium a compliment. And when Guy mentioned that he was going to Highland Park, Dallas Jesuit, I didn't make a joke about how they were going to be doing croquet at their tailgates. I didn't make a joke about how it was going to be a bunch of wine moms in the parking lot, or I guess they wouldn't be in the parking lot. I guess they'd probably go to a yoga uh, studio to tailgate. I didn't make a joke about how, you know, all the people at the game think that the Wolf of Wall Street is just a movie about a couple guys making money, just, you know, having fun, like, didn't make any of those jokes for Dallas Jesuit Highland Park. So just all, all credit, credit to you. When the Thank when you the green you didn't poke the bear. Frank. But uh when the greenies showed up last week, I felt at home. We'll just put it that way. So yeah, yeah. And then but, the fireworks started popping off, and I was like, Oh yeah, baby, get them flustered. Yeah. They were, they were. Um, all right. We appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, guys, always appreciate you for joining us. And uh, we will see you guys next week for Guy Frazier and Hudson Standish. I'm Mike Roach, and we will talk to you next week. 